Greetings, listeners. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to my channel, Jessie M. Writes. My name is Jessie McDonald, and I am the author of the novel Where Destiny Decides Truth Revealed, the first of a three-part series. It is a fantasy novel that will be listed in the new adult genre and is expected to release before the summer of 2023. For the past four episodes, we have discussed several things, including an introduction to myself as a writer and as an author and as a person and how I came to this point in my life. We have also discussed world building and how to form an outline and to kind of organize our ideas and our characters, how to name characters and places, and how the people in our stories should interact. So if you are interested in any of those things that I just mentioned, I would like to encourage you to go back and check out some of the previous episodes. The description of each episode is listed, obviously, in the description box. For those that have been following along, as always, I would love to hear from you. Any input, any ideas, anything that you would like to add, please let me know. So without further ado, let's go on ahead and delve into today's episode. Today is a very exciting day because in this process we have planned everything leading up to putting the pen to paper and starting the rough draft of our story that we're going to write. And you might be thinking, why do I need help with this part? Or what advice could you give for this? It seems simple enough. You just start and work your way through and start at the beginning. Then you do the middle and the end. Well, it's not always that simple. For example, you very well could have an idea that your entire story and your planning process and everything has been based around and you might decide that you want to write that first and that's totally okay. This is not a cookie cutter method. There's no one way to do this. I'm going to probably say that in every single episode. So it would be perfectly acceptable for you to go on ahead and write that out first to get those creative juices flowing. And then if you wanted to, you could go on and start from the beginning from that point or you could just kind of get those big ideas out and then kind of paste everything together and this might look different from you depending on what you are trying to write so for example with me I am a terrible songwriter I think I have mentioned that in previous videos I've, I would love to write a song but I can't write the music even though I can play music I can't write the music but I can write the words and a lot of times I would write the ideas that I had or like a line that I had come up with that I for sure wanted to be in the song or even a poem and those individual lines I would end up rearranging them and piecing them together but whenever I write novels or stories or anything like that I personally like to start and work from beginning, middle, to end. Now, for my first novel, I just had this massive brainstorming session and 
everything was just flowing so beautifully that I started at the very beginning and knew exactly what I wanted to write and the words just like were pouring out of my brain. But I came to this area once I finished my first book and started writing my second that it was not as easy the second time around. And to make a long story really short, I have had to write the beginning part of my second book twice because my editor took a chunk of my second book and smashed it into my first book. So I've now had to write the beginning twice. And both times I found that it was much more difficult for me to write a beginning. However, once I got past those initial introductory paragraphs, it became more fluid as time went on. Now, whenever it comes to this part, I can't exactly coach you word for word, obviously, as to what you should write or what you should do with your characters or how your scenes and their interactions and all the things should go. That is obviously an individual decision. But just don't forget the bit that we talked about when it came to like conflict and resolution and how our stories should be fluid and constantly changing just as our lives are. But I can offer some little pieces of advice that might be helpful to you during this time. First and foremost, what I would like to say here is do not expect your rough draft to be your only draft. And what I mean by that is if you looked at the progression of my novel from my very first renderings of it to the complete work, it looks very, very different. You are going to have to go back and rewrite and edit and move things around. And that is totally okay. That is normal and that is fine. So if you are writing and you think it's not the best work or it seems kind of boring or you think that you're not being descriptive enough, whatever the case may be, that is not set in stone. It is not your only draft. And you're going to have plenty of opportunities to go back and rework that section. You're going to have opportunities to rework the whole thing. And I promise you, unless you are just extremely fortunate and extremely gifted, you're going to have to go back and rework your rough draft. At this point in your writing, I think that it is very important and I couldn't stress this enough to just write. Get your ideas out there, get the events out there, get a general overview of what everything's going to be and don't worry about word count or how many chapters. Don't worry about like the technicalities of how everything will look when it's finished because if you do that you could very possibly put constraints on yourself and it could negatively impact your story and your writing altogether. Another piece of advice I would like to give at this early, early stage is to keep writing. Do not go back and start editing 
until at least until you have written several chapters because you want to just stay in the zone. You don't want to break that creativity and the fluidity and your concentration because you're worried about going back and editing what you have just written. You have plenty of time to go back and edit. You but when those creative juices are flowing and you're in the zone, that's really hard to just naturally achieve sometimes. And you want to take advantage of that as much as possible. Now, I know that I just said that you shouldn't worry about the technicalities of it right now. And I do mean that. But I do think that it is important for you to ask yourself, what kind of writer do I want to be? So is this something that you want to do for a living? Is this something that you are very serious about? Or is this just a fun pastime? Because if it is just a fun pastime, you might just want to write when you feel that itch or whenever you feel inspired to write. Whereas if you are going to try to publish or you're already an author and you're writing a second novel, you might want to be a little more aggressive with your writing routine and your writing schedule. Now, as a single mom and as an entrepreneur that has their own little business and I was working part-time until very recently, I have some other side gigs going on, I don't have a schedule per se. I just set a goal for myself to write at least one paragraph a day. I'm not in a hurry. I don't want to rush things. I have to recognize that I do have other things in my life that need attention. My first novel isn't even out yet. So for me, I don't feel in a rush to finish the second one. And I just make sure that I write at least one paragraph a day. That is my goal. And I firmly believe, as with anything else in life, regardless of whether it's your job or a hobby or whatever else, you should have some type of goal that you want to reach that motivates you. So even if this is just for fun, you might want to set a goal of, okay, well, I would like to have one chapter or like one good chunk written in two weeks. And if you don't achieve that, that's okay, but you are still working towards that goal. And once you get there, if the deadline passes, you reevaluate it. Now, whenever you're writing more professionally or if you have a goal in mind to publish, you might want to be a little more rigorous. But at the same time, that all depends on you. That depends on your schedule and what you have going on in your life and what you are capable of doing. Don't overdo it. You don't want to exhaust yourself and burn yourself out to where you never end up pursuing that dream or finishing that project. And you might have a mixture of the two going on. So, for example, with me, I like to write for fun, but I also do want to make money or maybe make a career. Like, I have 
higher ambitions than just writing for fun. So there have been plenty of times where I have started writing an idea for a book or started working on book two, for example, and I just feel like I need a break. And so I get an idea or an itch to write something else. And, you know, I might go make a blog or I might just write it down on a Google Doc. But either way, I do make sure that I balance, like, the fun writing and the serious writing in some way, shape, or form. You can have other outlets for fun besides writing, but it's just I enjoy writing for fun, too. So that's one of the ways that I do. I also play video games sometimes, read, uh, play music, take my son and go to McDonald's or wherever and go to the park, for example. But just make sure that you have something to help you reset, take a break, and then you can come back to it later. I have heard Christopher Paolini talk about this on his YouTube channel, I believe, and I very much agree with him. There are times that that is necessary, and it is important for writers to, in my opinion, to get up and get out and go do other stuff besides writing, especially if you are writing a particularly difficult or emotionally taxing section of the book. You do need to worry about, or not worry, but you do need to consider your own physical health and your mental health and emotional and spiritual health. And a good way to do that is taking a break, walking your dog, doing something that you genuinely enjoy doing that makes you happy and allows you to reset your mind. If you don't, then you will end up burned out or you will end up stressed out and all these different things that we really don't want to put on ourselves you get kind of weighed down by those things if you spend too long on those subjects which I know may be hard to believe for some people because I'm one of those types that's like just give me a hole and give me my computer and I'll be lost in my own little world writing about my world and I'll be fine and that is totally true. But there are times, even for those that like live the writing process, that love it, that you need to take a break and just check in with your well-being. From there, I'm going to go on and change directions because, well, obviously, <laughs> I think I've said everything I need to say about that side of it, but I would also like to encourage you not to get too caught up in trends or what is popular at the moment or what is going to sell if you are interested in writing a book to publish and sell. Um, you just need to write what you're passionate about, the ideas that you're excited about. Don't really worry that much about your market. Because there are always going to be trends that come and go. And the market is always going to be changing. And by the time your book is out anyway, it very well might not be what is in in this particular moment. 
but write a piece that you are passionate about, that you are proud of, that you want to see out in the world and something that you will be happy about for years to come. I'm not sure if that's a popular opinion or not or if I'm the only one that thinks that way or if everybody will agree with me on that. I just think that that is something that is very important to mention because I do feel like that because of social media especially, we feel very pressured to kind of assimilate with everyone else and to do what everyone else is doing, especially if we're easily influenced by other people. And there are so many wonderful and brilliant works that are out there that if people follow trends may not even exist. So just think about those things and keep it in mind whenever you're writing or deciding what to write or which direction to go. Okay, I think that I have covered everything that I wanted to speak about when it comes to the rough draft phase. Now, we have to ask ourselves, what do we do with our draft when it is finished? The obvious answer here is go back and edit. But before we discuss that, I want to talk about editing next week. The thing that I want to discuss is, unfortunately, if you decide, and I'm going to talk about, talk in detail about publishing in a different episode, but if you decide that you want to publish and you want to go through a traditional publisher, word count is something that unfortunately matters. I don't really understand that. I thankfully did not publish traditionally. I didn't get an agent and all of that. I'm thankful I didn't have to do that. And also, you know, I'll talk about my publishing in a different episode. But I do know many people, many authors or writers that I've talked with on social media, on Twitter, that have been, you know, distressed because their word count is, you know, 120,000 words and certain agents won't take anything more than either 80,000 words or 100,000 words. And to me, it's a harsh reality, but it is such a shame. And even though it's a shame, that doesn't mean that we can really change what it is that they're expecting. Maybe one day we can change those expectations or help lead the change in those expectations but for now it is something that writers have to unfortunately consider is how many words are in your piece but thankfully unless you just wrote this massive massive story you probably have some wiggle room here I don't know very many authors who just in their rough draft, exceeded, you know, 100,000 words by a lot or if at all. Apart from the whole agents and publishers' expectations crap, 
from a reader's standpoint, this is, this can be very vital because as a reader myself, there are very few books that I will pick up that are, you know, three inches thick. Very rarely, because to me, that is a commitment. And the older I get, and the more things that are on my plate, I really have to ask myself, am I willing to invest my time in reading a piece of this magnitude? And thankfully, there are tools that can help you with this. So for example, whenever I was writing my first novel, there is a page calculator. There are several page calculators. If you just go to Google and type in page calculators, there are several different calculators and several different methods that they can use to calculate how many words your novel would potentially be. And just from my experience, it was fairly close. So what I would do is I would look at how many pages my book would be and I would go to my bookshelf and look at books and how many pages they were and so that way I could kind of get like a visual for how thick my book would be and what it would look like on a shelf at the store or um yeah what it would look like on a shelf at the store thinking about this is also a you also have an opportunity to appeal to those who may not read a lot or that don't read at all. Because, for example, if you were to go to a bookstore and you are not an avid reader and you were just browsing around, would you most likely pick up, as a, as a person who is not an avid reader, would you be more likely to pick up a book that is an inch thick, or would you be more likely to pick up something that's two to three inches thick? And I think that, you know, the obvious answer is you'd be more likely to pick up the smaller book because it just looks less intimidating and you know that there's going to be less pages. The story, the stories could be exactly the same. It's just that one may be more elaborate than the other, but a person who is not an avid reader would more than likely pick up the smaller book. At least that's coming from my own experience and opinion. I like I don't have statistics on that. I don't have other outside sources like to cite for that. I'm just saying from my experience and from people that I've talked to, that is how it is. So for example, if you know that you want to appeal to a younger audience or an audience of people that don't read that much, if you want to make sure that you consider them, now you have a baseline to start with when you go back and edit. You'll at this point be able to know, should I cut some stuff? I would hate to think that in the first, you know, the rough draft that you'd be cutting stuff, but uh, if you wrote something extremely massive that might very well be a possibility right out of the gate. Um, for me, I'm one of those people that 
whenever I write, I don't give a lot of detail. I don't give a lot of description. And so my first chapters or first sections are, or first rough draft, rough draft even, even, excuse, rough draft even, excuse me, <laughs> they're pretty short. And I have to go back in and think about the details I want to add. And that can be colors of garments or um, scents or descriptions that describe the way that somebody's face looks. My friend Ben really helped me with this. That was something that I really lacked whenever he read through my manuscript. And that was even after probably one or two edits at that point. So if you have listened to this episode and you have just written a first draft or, you know, you're going to go write your first draft or you just happen to come upon this by chance and you have just completed, you know, a first draft, I would like to congratulate you because even though you're still in the early, early phases of novel writing or story writing, it's still a big accomplishment to write an entire story of that magnitude and have it on paper and knowing that you're the one that thought it all out and planned it all out. That is still a huge accomplishment. So I would like to congratulate you. Now, considering that I am not just here specifically for novel writers, what a rough draft would look like as a poem or a song or you know like a series of those things it may be similar for you but it will also be a little bit different um I've said this before and I'll say it again if you're writing poetry or short stories or songs whenever you're writing you might want to be more precise And just more aware in general because I do feel like the less words that you have, the more strategic and impactful they should be. Because in a song, you're describing what would probably be an entire chapter or two in a novel. There's a lot more words in a novel. Something that I could that I feel like could be very beneficial for you in regards to this is to get your rough draft out of your song or your poem or whatever it is. And like before you start writing it, when you're planning it, if you have an emotion that you're going to describe or any, any type of descriptive word, I would go on ahead, unless you are, like, rhyming or something and it's there for a very specific, like, rhyming purpose, I would go on ahead and look up synonyms. This was something that I had to do whenever I was going back through and editing, and I found, obviously, some really good descriptive words when I took the extra time to look up synonyms for like example angry or depressed or sad or just things that 
we know what those emotions are. We know what people look like generally when they're sad or angry, how they talk, um, how their body is feeling. Like, you know that whenever you're angry, your adrenaline's pumping. And when you're sad, you want to cry. We know those things. But sometimes it just gives it a little extra oomph to find a word that is better fitting for your piece or for that line or that description. And there is literally no shame in using a dictionary or using a thesaurus. There's, that's literally the reason that they exist is so that we know the definitions, know that the way that words are used so that we can figure out synonyms for things. And there's literally no shame in using that because those are tools to help you improve your writing and make your writing better. Another thing to consider, especially when you are writing something that is going to be read aloud or saying is the use of onomatopoeia and that could be that's a literary term and that could be something that is a goal from the beginning and some people may find that annoying but there is no doubt that it's catchy so for example I looked this up to be a hundred percent sure because I thought that I was right but I just wanted to be sure um, the song Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas um, there are multiple examples of onomatopoeia in that and that is what that means is you're using a word that imitates the sound it represents so they use like I'm on that supersonic boom y'all hear that spaceship zoom zoom is an onomatopoeia and that can be very beneficial for um dramatic effect or whatever, whenever you're singing or whenever you're reading a story aloud. And especially if you are going to write like something for children, children love that stuff. Um, and children love stuff, for example, that is simple, but you also, it's repetitious. So they learn like the chant or whatever it is, that repetitious line, and they say it with you, and they can interact. There is this author, his name is Eric Ode, and he's from Washington, and he writes, I don't, I don't think all of his stuff is for us born books and more, but some of it is, that's how I came to know him, and he has a book called Dan the Taxi Man, and the last time I read this to my kid, I kid you not, he was probably, it's probably been two or three years ago, but I can recite the entire book word for word because it has a groove, it has a rhythm, and it has that repetition in it. So here comes Dan, beep, beep, the taxi man, going to the show and picking up the band. Come on in as fast as you can with Dan, beep, beep, the taxi man. So using that those type of things whenever you're writing songs or writing books um, can be very, very effective. And I'm sorry, those were not like the exact words for words. So I'm, I guess I need to um, 
take back what I said, but I pretty much remember it word for word. And then they had, you know, all these different characters coming in that were band members and, you know, you had the guitar and you made the guitar noises and you had the drums and you made the drum noises and then it ends with them all up on stage. But, you know, every page is, here's Dan, beep, beep, the taxi man coming to the show and picking up the band. Come on in as fast as you can with beep, with Dan, beep, beep, the taxi man. So the kids are learning that and repeating it. And I mean, also, obviously, the adult that's reading it, me, is learning it. And I enjoyed reading it because of those things. It made it very special and memorable for my child and I. This episode has went, you know, for quite a while, so I think I'm going to stop at this point. I have made some, made all the points that I wanted to make and discussed some things that I feel like are very important that I, and like, I know that I said you, like I, but I'm referring to you because I'm talking to you. Like you're listening to me in your headphones or on speakerphone or whatever, Um, But I follow these steps too. These are things that like I came to know through my own experience and that I learned as I went and things that I decided to implement because of my experiences. So it's not just you that I'm giving the advice to. I also adhere to this advice. Um, And I guess if that ever changes, I'll let you know. But for now, I have found that to be the, these tips, I have found them to be the most helpful and things that I wish I would have known starting out. Um, and I would, I just wanted to share those with you. Next week, like I said earlier in the episode, we are going to start talking about the editing process. And I have discovered that whenever you write a book, or anything, but I guess particularly a book, I don't have any experience with, you know, recording music or any of that, so I can't give any, I can't give a whole lot of, like, constructive advice when it comes to that, but in regards to book writing, I have learned that writing the book and the rough draft is, like, the barely it's just the beginning of it you're going to spend probably a whole lot more time editing than you will actually writing the book so next week will probably be a long episode um but as always I would like to thank you for your time and for listening, if you have listened to the other ones, I would like to thank you for that. It means a lot to me. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that I was able to encourage you. Keep on writing. Keep on putting words on paper. If it's not perfect, good, because it's never going to be perfect. You can get it as close as humanly possible, but... I've discovered even in my own writing, I've edited so many times. My editor has edited it like two or three times. The proofreader read it through. And even once I got like my final author version back, I was sitting there picking it apart. But we can 
get it as perfect as we can. It's not always going to be perfect, but there's beauty in imperfection. There's beauty in, and it's not even that it's imperfect. It's just that there are a million different ways to put sentences together and to write details and all of that. So I think that's something that's, I think that's something that's very beautiful about the whole process is that even in its final state, you could go through and think, oh, I could have done this this way or whatever, but I'm getting off track again. So until next week, stay safe and make good choices. Keep on writing. Bye.